0: There is danger in reading Acts. We could be drawn to the book of Acts for one of many reasons. The simple devotion of the early church that we read about in Acts is is quite inviting. That might draw us to the book of Acts. And we might come to look at Acts as a manual on church, a kind of church textbook. Uh, it's common for church plants to kick off with the book of Acts. Uh, two of the church plants that I've been part of, Acts was the first sermon series that the, uh, that the church planter uh, led us through at those times. Uh, I know that when we planted at Harrison, uh, Acts was the first book that uh, Tim preached through. Acts is a good book for orientating ourselves in church planting contexts. We might come to Acts because the dynamic nature of the miracles and the mission there is exciting. Uh, Acts also touches on intriguing issues that we might feel a little bit fuzzy on or then a bit interested in. The charismatic movement. What is speaking in tongues all about? And do we need a second blessing and baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is baptism all about? Do we baptise infants or do we only baptise believers? We might be drawn to Acts to think about church government. Should we be congregational? Should we be Presbyterian? Or should we be Episcopal? All these are reasons why we might be drawn to the book of Acts. But there is danger. There is danger in reading Acts. You see, on the one hand... While Acts shapes our understanding of all these topics that I've just mentioned, we can't limit ourselves to Acts for the answer. For example, uh, Acts is largely descriptive of the early church. Most of the time, what we are reading in Acts is a simple and plain report of what happened. It is descriptive, it describes what happened. Acts is not prescriptive. Acts doesn't necessarily tell us that this is the way that church must be. And so it's important when we're reading Acts to be reading it alongside the other New Testament letters to be making sense of what is prescriptive for believers and prescriptive in belief about God and prescriptive for the church. So on the one hand, while Acts shapes our understanding of all these different kind of topics, we can't limit ourselves to Acts for the answer. On the other hand, when we focus in on all these kind of topics that I've just mentioned at the start, when we focus in on them, we are likely to be distracted and confused in our minds from what Luke wants us to take away from Acts. And to miss the main point that Luke is making is at heart, is at the heart of the greatest heresy in Christian thinking. To miss the main point that Luke would have us get from Acts is at heart of the greatest heresy in Christian thinking. Let me make that a little bit more personal for us. Any believer who minimises the implications of the Acts agenda is only half obedient to Jesus any church that is not driving along the main road of Acts has gone bush. That's a pretty big statement and claim. Let me show you what a careful and prayerful reading of Acts will do. It'll sink deep into us and it'll see us personally, and as a church, captivated by the Acts agenda. To be captivated by God's mission to bear witness to Jesus, to the ends of the earth, to be actively reaching out beyond the fringe. That's the main agenda of Acts. That's God's agenda. And a prayerful And careful reading of Acts that sinks deep into our lives will captivate us and mobilize us in that as well. Now all we're going to do today is trace this main road through Luke-Acts. This is a kind of introductory uh, sermon to Acts, but while it's introductory, the rubber will still hit the road for us. Now, unsurprisingly, on this main road through Luke Acts, we're going to pick up the main road at the beginning. Please turn with me back to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, what are we doing in Luke? Well, Luke's Gospel and Acts is a two-part work by Luke. Uh, Luke, in the early church, is a travelling historian, missionary and doctor. And he wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And it's really a two-part work. So to understand the main road through Acts, we need to turn back to Luke chapter 1. Luke tells us that he is giving us a reliable account of God's salvation plans being worked out in the world. I invited you to turn back and I forgot to turn back myself. Luke chapter 1 verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus." Luke is giving us a reliable account of God's salvation plans being worked out in the world. He has carefully investigated it and he is writing it down in an orderly way for this most excellent Theophilus. We don't know anything about Theophilus other than that his name means lover of God. Why is it that Luke is writing this down for Theophilus and to others including us today? Why is he writing verse 4? Luke chapter 1 verse 4, why is Luke writing? So that so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke is giving us a reliable account of God's salvation plans being worked out in the world so that we uh, might be certain of those things. Now if we turn over to chapter 24 in Luke, chapter 24 in Luke... Here we get a one-sentence summary of what the fulfilment of God's salvation plans look like. Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 44. I've got to remember we might have some slower Bible flickers with us uh, today, so I'll give you time to get there. Don't be embarrassed if you're still flicking and it sounds like everyone else is quiet. It's good to be able to see these words in front of us. Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 44. Uh, sorry, 40, 44. 24, 44. In a moment, we're going to go to 28, 28 in Acts. 24, 44. Uh, the, Jesus says, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead On the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. We read in these verses that the fulfillment of God's salvation plans in the world has two parts to it. Verse 46 which is a good summary of Luke's Gospel, Christ suffered, died and rose from the dead. That is the first part of the fulfilment of God's salvation plans in the world. Christ suffered, died and rose from the dead. Part 2 is in verse 47, which is a good summary of the book of Acts. Verse 47, And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. Now it's here where the greatest heresy in Christian thinking today sneaks in. None of us who are Christians would deny for a moment that Jesus suffered, died and rose from the dead. It's a core belief. You cannot be a Christian and not believe that. Are we as passionate and committed to bearing testimony about Jesus to all nations, starting with those closest to us. Part two of the fulfilment of God's salvation plans in the world. Luke just puts them right here, close together, both as being core beliefs and core implications of belonging to Jesus. This is the main road from Luke's Gospel into Acts. So turn with me now, please, to Acts chapter 1. There's a great PhD for somebody studying why, how John got in the middle uh, in our New Testaments. Uh, Acts chapter 1, it's clear that this is volume 2 because it straight away picks up on the ongoing fulfilment of God's salvation plans. Uh, Jesus ascends to heaven but the mission continues through his Spirit-empowered disciples. Uh, so let's read uh, verses 1 to 8 again. Luke writes, In my former book... Uh-huh. the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Luke in just as much an orderly way as he did in his gospel, he's compiling things so that we might know the truth from eyewitness testimony. And as he talks about the ongoing fulfillment of God's salvation plans, just as Jesus had come and suffered and died and rose to life and now ascended... God's salvation plans continue to be fulfilled through uh, spirit-empowered disciples of Jesus, bearing testimony to Jesus from Jerusalem to all Judea, roundabout to Samaria, the wider area to the north of Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. Now it's often said uh, here in Australia by churches and evangelists and uh, church leaders, it's often said that the nations are coming to us. The nations are coming to us here. Over the past uh, 22 years that I've been alive, plus a little bit, seen the faces of people change, not just get older. When I went to primary school, there was one Chinese uh, child in my class. And he didn't own the Chinese restaurant. Uh, There was one Indian family in our school uh, that is different now. Not a bad thing, different. And it's often said that the nations are coming to us. It's an exciting thing to see. And it's exciting to see Australian Christians and Christian leaders thinking about hard about how to lovingly share Jesus with unbelievers from diverse ethnic backgrounds. I caught up with one of my, <clears throat> one of my ministry mates this week. He's doing a PhD in multicultural ministry. And particularly to understand how the gospel applies and works itself out in your personal identity. If you're a second or third generation, uh, he's Sri Lankan, or whatever ethnicity, living in a country that is not the country of your ethnic birth. He's particularly thinking about through anthropology. Anthropology your identity in light of who Jesus is and then what it looks like as believers to be united together in a growing multi-ethnic community and to be truly living out Jesus together. It's an exciting study. I caught up with this week with the minister where Mike and Jeanette Adams are now attending in Blacktown. This week they are launching an ESL ministry to be reaching out to people from different ethnic backgrounds round about them who through their desire to learn English will also come into contact with hearing about Jesus. When I was a ministry trainee in Sydney, uh, I got to spend two years evangelising and discipling international students at Macquarie University. From Korea, from China, from Japan, from Turkey, from Iran, all kinds of different places. During those two years, I also had the opportunity to lead a Bible study for Iranian refugees in the Villawood Detention Centre. There are Christians, week by week, going into detention centres that they can still get into, uh, round about Australia, and sharing Jesus with people from all kinds of different backgrounds. Uh, While I was a minister at Epping Presbyterian Church, I ran a weekly easy English Bible study for new migrants... Exciting things going on round about us as the nations are coming to us. Yet it's not easy. It is really hard work. Multicultural and multi ethnic engagement is hard work. Trying to listen to people who don't speak as clearly in the language that we speak, understanding different cultural and family backgrounds. It is hard work, and as much as ever, uh, our nation is concerned for uh, border security. And while it is said that the nations are coming to us, there are still many people in many nations who are not coming to us. Putting all these things together, it's hard work, and not everyone can come here, and not everybody wants to come here. From a human's perspective, it could seem like an impossible task to bear witness to Jesus from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, from Ngunnawal to Gungahlin to Canberra to the ACT to Australia to the world. It could seem like an impossible task and no amount of enthusiasm or devotion or hard work seems like we would succeed in God's mission. Well, let's get back on the main road through Luke-Acts and keep going to see what happens at the end of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28, verse 28. The last couple of verses. Luke is now reporting about uh, the Apostle Paul. We'll learn lots about Paul and his story as we read through Acts this year. The book of Acts ends with Paul under house arrest for preaching about Jesus. Jesus. In Rome, in these kind of days, Rome was, in a way, the end of the earth. Uh, there were people who existed beyond that, but uh, in, in, in this part of the world, that was the edge of the world. And we read in verse 28, Acts chapter 28, verse 28, Paul says, Therefore I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Out beyond that small family, tribe, nation that was God's specially chosen people in the Old Testament times, Paul wants you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. God, it is God who ensures that his mission goes on and on and on, even picking us up in it today. I really like uh, the new NIV translation of 2011. You might have one of those. One of our, if you're one of our Year 5 kids who were given a, a new Bible and graduating from KidsBiz last year, you'll have different words or words in a different order in Luke chapter 28 verse 31, Luke is very particular and when he writes, he leaves the most important words to last. He, word order in the language that Luke was writing in uh, didn't actually matter to make sense of the sentence. You just put the most important words, either first or last, to give them a bit of emphasis. And this sentence captures what Luke wanted to emphasise. He, Paul, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. How is God's mission going to go out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth? How are we going to get the gospel across multi-ethnic and multicultural boundaries and borders and hard work? How are we going to reach out to those in nations that we have never heard of, let about, dreamed about going to? God will do it with all boldness and without hindrance. And so Luke finishes his two-volume work in a way that it doesn't actually end, that it goes on and on and on to pick us up in it today, to drive us along in God's mission as we become empowered by the Holy Spirit to be also bearing witness about Jesus to the ends of the earth. And so, if we're on the main road, we are on board with God's mission. One commentator on Acts pushes us along the main road and pushes us out with these words. He says, To press outward from the fringe is always sound policy, provided it is done with vigour and devotion. To press outward from the fringe is always sound policy provided it is done with vigour and devotion. God's agenda is to reach out. The policy of every Christian church is to reach out. The drive of every Christian is to reach out. a christian missionary to africa was on a home assignment in america uh, and he was traveling across america and at one time he was uh, traveling back from some meetings uh, on a plane and he was in the middle seat uh, on the plane you know how you sit down in the middle seat and you're waiting to see on who uh, is either side of you he's in the middle seat and on one side of him uh, next to the window was a young girl a young teenager uh, with down syndrome on the other side, a businessman was sitting down, a guy who looked very important. As I was sitting there and everyone settling into their seats, uh, the young girl turned to the man in the middle and nudged this missionary. He said, excuse me, mister, do you brush your teeth? He thought that was a bit of a strange question, but he wanted to be friendly, uh, to her and he said, yes, yes, I I, I brushed my teeth this morning. She said, good, if you don't brush your teeth, they'll rot and they'll fall out. It wasn't much longer and she nudged him again and said, excuse me, mister, do you smoke? Uh, A little bit puzzled, he said, well, no, I, I don't smoke. And she said, well, good, if you do, your lungs will rot and give up on you okay, thank you. They settled back down and she turned again and asked one more question. She said, excuse me, mister, do you love Jesus? And he said, yes, I do. And she said, good. If you don't, you'll die and you'll go to hell. And after that, she was quiet. They settled in for the trip and just as they started a taxi down the runway... The girl nudged the man again and said, ask him. What do you mean? Ask him if he brushes his teeth. So again, want, wanting to be friendly to the girl, he, he looked across the businessman and he said, excuse me, the girl over here, she would like to know if you brush your teeth. <laughs> Though he was busy and him important he, he turned back and he smiled and he said yes I brush my teeth twice a day brush them this morning and the man in the middle said good if you don't brush your teeth they'll rot and they'll fall out <laughs> well you know what was going to happen in a little while the girl nudged the man and said ask him if he smokes <laughs> uh, the girl would like to know another question do you smoke and he said no well good because if you do you, your lungs will rot and they'll give up on you the man knew what was coming. The girl nudged him, said, ask him if he loves Jesus. He said, I can't do that. I can't ask him that. That's a personal question. I can't. She said, ask him. She so said, excuse me. The girl has one more question for you. Do you love Jesus? Now the businessman was going to give a similar kind of answer to what we'd just given before. He could easily smile and chuckle and, and laugh it off and say yes or, or no. But after a moment he said, you know, in all honesty, I can't say that I do love Jesus. It's not that I don't want to love Jesus, it's just that I don't know him. I've wanted to be a person of faith all my life, but I haven't known how to be and now I've come to a time in my life where I really need him very much. And the missionary from Africa shared with the businessman about Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and the new life that was possible in him and the businessman became a Christian. God's agenda is to reach out. When I was working at Macquarie University in the Christian Union during O-Week, where everyone's signing up to different clubs and societies on campus, uh, one of the quietest student members from the Christian Union offered a free sausage sizzle uh, to a young man named Xian Tao. Xian Tao, or Ken, as we came to know him as, was a master's student from China. And as he was handed this sausage He was also handed an invitation to a lunchtime Bible reading group. Ken started coming along and meeting with us in that Bible reading group and by the end of semester he'd read Mark's Gospel, he'd read Genesis and Colossians, he had passed all these subjects, he'd become a Christian and had invited more than 20 other people to either the Bible reading group or to Sunday church. Several of those who he'd invited along also became believers. One of them has become a pastor in Korea and another is a student evangelist in China. All from the quietest student in the Christian Union offering him a free sausage and an invitation to read the Bible. God's agenda is to reach out. A friend of mine who is a minister when he is asked and ministers are asked this kind of thing all the time how big is your church how many people are in your church Uh, how how, how big is your church he answers 40,000 people how big is your church 40,000 people people who don't really know where he's from or what he does whoa how do you do that on Sundays do they all come together in one service do you meet across lots of different services Do you all meet at one place and all that kind of thing No, my friend, he counts his whole town as his church. He's as deeply concerned for and invested in reaching out to the 39,950 people who don't attend church in town as the 50 people who do. God's agenda is to reach out. To press outward from the fringe is always sound policy, provided it is done with vigour and devotion. In 2017 and until Jesus returns, let's be people who knock down the wall that stands between us and our neighbour. Let's be people who push through the barrier that holds us back from our colleagues. Let's reach out to our friends and family with God's gospel for the forgiveness of sins in Jesus This is the main road of Luke Acts. This is God's agenda. Let's make it our agenda today and tomorrow and every day until Jesus returns.